the wise mind is taking your emotional from your rational and having a good balance of the two. Um, and that's something that I, it's like completely invaluable. Like I'm so thankful that I got to experience that and learn so much. That's climber, writer, and lover of reptiles, RJ Griffiths. And this is the Wilder Mind Podcast. My mind grows wilder When I stoke that fire inside Hear the call in the distance It's a long road worth your while Hey, hi, hello everyone and welcome to the Wilder Mind Podcast. I am your host, Cody Camerlin. And thank you so much for being here with the pod. I truly hope that you're enjoying those long summer days, beautiful sunsets, ice cold libations, and that you're finding time to explore those wild spaces. It lingered there to touch your hair and walk with me. Today, You'll hear from R.J. Griffiths, recorded several weeks back in Estes Park, Colorado, after a day of bouldering in the Upper Chaos Canyon of Rocky Mountain National Park. This was slated to be the first episode that would be released alongside video footage of the day's adventures, but my camera did not make it back. So, suffice it to say, it was quite an adventure indeed. Upper Chaos sits just shy of 11,000 feet in elevation and is infamous for afternoon thunder and lightning storms. Added to that is the talus-laden approach of many of the best areas, which we of course ventured toward. The initial weather system brought just a slight sprinkle, so we figured we might be good for the day. But oh, were we so very wrong. As the crew ventured higher and higher up the talus fields, we found ourselves with a grand view of the next storm that rolled through. This one brought the thunder, the lightning, and those buckets of rain. I, for one, was enjoying myself tremendously. I love that stuff. Tested against the elements, lightning flashing so nearest that the thunder was hardly delayed, and rain soaking through every layer of clothing. I was quite satisfied. Thankfully, we were all experienced climbers, so the slippery talus was not that much of an issue. Go careful, go slow, and test your footing. The unrelenting rain did become a bit problematic as new water crossings appeared. The familiar ones were a bit crazier, and not everyone was used to such weather. Nevertheless, we all made it back to the parking lot, soaked, tired, but with the highest of spirits. RJ and I retreated to a quaint mountain cabin, courtesy of her friend Ellis, thank you Ellis, and wandered the aisles of the local Safeway to compose massive salads, complete with vegan protein sources and washed down with fizzy kombuchas. Twas quite nice. We then spent the entire evening trading stories and chatting about life in general. Both in our 30s, me being three years her senior, we found it pretty easy to relate. Additionally, we both started climbing as adults. She found her way to it in college at the local fitness center where she was teaching insanity group courses. Now, picture this. In the center of this gym is a climbing wall on display for all to see. Everyone who's there sweating away at their chosen strength and cardio routines. She was nervous, afraid to fall and look foolish. 
but the wall kept stealing her attention. Then one day, she decided to hell with it. Her friend chose a route for her, a 5'8", which is pretty challenging for a beginner. She sent it, and she loved it. She knew she'd found something special. But what captured her even more than the climb itself was the sense of support from the community. As she puts it, when she came down from the climb, everyone was psyched for her, and she was hooked. Every single person wanted her to succeed, which, quite unfortunately, was not a constant in her life up until that point. At that moment, she knew she wanted to do all that she could to help others feel the way she did that day. Loved, supported, and part of something meaningful. Keep an eye on RJ. She's showing up in some exciting ways to do exactly as she promised herself she would. And I'm damn glad to call her a friend. And with that, join us in a cozy mountain cabin. The wood floor creaks just so as you travel from space to space. And the morning sun casts the light of a new dawn with the promise of a special summer's day. Now, let's do the damn thing. So we are here in Estes, mm -hmm. thanks to... Ellis. Yeah. Yeah, thank you, Ellis, yeah, for letting you, us stay this awesome cabin. This is great. <laughs> so spoiled. Yeah, really spoiled. Oh, this place is super cute. It's really, yeah, it's, it's like the quintessential mountain cabin, literally it in the really mountains, is. and it's a cabin, and yeah. It, yeah. Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah, I like to live my life without expectation, and so I had no idea what I was about to walk into, and then I got here, and I was like, what is this place? <laughs> like, it's so cute. And it's I was like, amazing. Yeah, because I live in my car, so yeah. I'm like, wow, a house. And how nice was this to come back to after the way our day ended yesterday. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you were hype, man. You were, like, I don't know anyone else that would have had the higher spirits. Like, we were all just like, oh man. I mean, my puffy coat was completely soaked and it was heavy. And you're just like, this is awesome. Give me more. <laughs> it's like, oh my God. Oh, I love that stuff. <laughs> and how long did it even take us to get out of there? I mean, walking down like slippery... It took like, a while. Talus, yeah. Yeah. It was crazy. That was a slow go. I felt bad for Max. Oh, yeah. it's okay. <laughs> it, is, it was his first time doing something like that, I think. I mean, I don't know that I've ever been caught in anything like that before that far up. I mean, we did descend, I think, 2,000 feet. Yeah, a lot. Uh-huh. Yeah. I've never, I've never gotten yeah that was a mess and we got to slide down snow we got to slide down snow <laughs> and then you lost your gopro yeah that sucks <laughs> yeah. i'm hoping that gopro will try maybe send me a new one yeah. <laughs> i'm gonna try yeah so but yeah okay so you touched on something i think um is very critical to who you are right now yeah and that is that we are in this cabin but your home is parked right in the parking lot it is yeah um yeah, so I live in my SUV. It's a Toyota Highlander. Um, it's just me, <laughs> me, myself, and I. Um, I have a car top carrier on top. I call my closet. I think it's so important that if people live in a small vehicle that they have one um, because, I mean, it's, it gets smelly very fast. It's such <laughs> a small 
space, you know, and like if yeah. you're a climber or you're someone who likes to do outdoor activities, you probably don't, I mean, you probably don't smell the greatest. So, you know, like it's nice to have that because shoes, especially climbing shoes. Ugh. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Especially the vegan ones since you're vegan and you have vegan am, climbing yeah, shoes. Yeah, yeah. And uh, they definitely don't smell great. Um, we talked about that <clears throat> when when we were first chatting what was it, the oddest thing you found in your car or the worst smell or... Oh, my God. <laughs> what was it? <laughs> okay, so <laughs> I was um, I was in Bishop for four months this year. And um, I started smelling something that was really off that I had never smelled before in my car. And I actually, I don't have a cooler. I don't have a refrigerator or anything like that. So I had food in my car and I thought maybe something had spilled or maybe something like went really bad. And so I gutted my car completely and it didn't go away. And I was like, what is this smell? Like, is this mold? So I started trying to clean out my AC system didn't help and I was like what is going on your face is killing me <laughs> I was like what is going on and so I had some issues with my car and I took it into the mechanic and I was like hey I can't figure out what the smell is I think it might be mold or something I can't I cannot get rid of it myself and they took out the air cabin filter which pff, I should have done didn't think of and uh, they found a mouse nest and some mouse droppings. And I was like, oh, fun, okay. So they replaced the filter and I went in and I cleaned it out. And the next day it still smelled. And I was like, what is going on? And I was in there lysawing, spraying, like disinfecting. And I look, so where the the air cabin filter is, it's really small, like it's, I don't know if like, anyone knows what size a VCR is these days. <laughs> but it's about that size. So you can get your hand in there, but you can't twist and turn. So I'm looking in there and I see something like behind this little latch, like hanging there. And I was like, what is that? Why? That's weird. Why are there wires hanging there? And I keep disinfecting. And then I like shine a light back there. And I realize, oh, that's not a wire. That's a mouse tail. Oh. Oh. <laughs> and a foot. Oh, oh my gosh. <laughs> I, yeah, wow. So. I, I kind of freaked out a little bit. I'm not squeamish by any means, but it had probably been about two and a half weeks. Oh, God. <laughs> just breathing in mouse Body. Wow. <laughs> yeah. I called my friend and I was like, hey, I need your help. I cannot get this mouse out. There's a dead mouse in my car. And, you know, I come from a science background. So I was like, the first thing I think of is like the plague or hantavirus. And I'm like, oh my God, oh my God, I'm dying. I'm going to die. Because <laughs> that's real. It's and I had real. been in Tahoe and it was cold up there. And those, there's actually where we stayed, there's a sign that says the rodents around here have been known to carry plague. And I was like, oh no. So about that science background, RJ has her bachelor's in biology 
And if you follow her on social media, which if you don't, you should, you'll often find some pretty entertaining and educational trivia spots in her stories, mainly surrounding herpetology, which we'll talk about in a second. Her background is one thing that we recorded after the initial conversation, so I'm going to play that tape now. We're going to jump into a conversation about herpetology, which, for those like myself who had never heard of this term until I did, is a branch of zoology concerned with the study of amphibians and reptiles. Also, for those of us that venture outdoors, towards the back end of this short segment are some very enlightening tips about dealing with snake encounters in the wild. Were you always drawn to herpetology? Herpetology? <laughs> um, no, actually, I was really drawn to marine life, but then I realized that scuba diving scares me a lot, and I'm not super into it. So I was like, you know what? I need to like move on from this. And then when I was in college, I took all these different courses, and I started learning more about snakes and lizards and all sorts of little guys and yeah I don't know I was just like these these things are so cool like and I think it's really sad that a lot of people don't love snakes because they're very important to the ecosystem this is very true and it's sad because it's like you see a dead snake on the road like my my heart sinks and people just don't care because they're so dissimilar from us that they're almost detached right it's like they're creepy like herpetology like creep they're creepy and they're not though like snakes Snakes are sweet. <laughs> they cuddle. <laughs> yeah. Seriously? Oh, yeah. Especially copperheads. Yeah, they're little cuddlers. Mm-hmm. Like with other snakes? Yeah. Oh, yeah. What? They also cuddle their prey. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> if they're constrictors, yeah. What? But, yeah. Oh, my God. That's what constrictor means. Yeah. Like a boa constrictor, you know? I never thought about that um, like <laughs> i never a, realized like constri- that like a an, a snake that's a constrictor is going to like obviously sque- squeeze the life yeah. out of their prey and as soon as the prey like inhales and exhales they'll squeeze them tighter so they can't inhale again and that's legit it's yeah i'm also very let down that i did not realize that until 30 seconds ago. Yeah, I think one of the biggest takeaways from talking about snakes is realizing that if you get bit by a snake and you don't know what it is, just go to the hospital. Don't use a tourniquet. Don't try to suck the venom because, A, it might not even be a venomous snake. Um, But if it is a venomous snake um, and you know that it's a venomous snake, just go to the hospital. Great tip, especially for climbers in the desert regions. Oh, yeah. How long do you generally have to safely get like if you're two hours away from hospital is that adequate time or do you need to get there faster i mean get there as fast as you can obviously i couldn't really say because there are you know times where a snake's going to give you a dry bite because it's very energetically expensive to produce venom because Uh they want that for their prey yeah so they don't want to use it on you and that so, makes so much sense. I think it's important for people to realize that snakes are not out to get you. They don't want to use their venom on you. You're huge to them. They're scared of you. And the notion that snakes chase you is just mostly false. <laughs> Wasn't there something you talked about, like three actions? of it? They, There were like three different ways yeah. that you could tell how they were going to react. Oh, yeah. So first, snakes are cowards, and they'll try to get away. Um, then they're liars. So then they start to act aggressive, and they're like, hey, dude. 
get out of my face, I'm gonna bite you, I'm gonna attack you. They don't want to use their venom on you. It's really expensive for them to produce that. That is so good to know. Yeah, so they, I mean, if it's a venomous species, um, noting that venom and poison, they're very different things. Um, so if it's a venomous species, um, it, it wants to get away. If it can't or if it feels like it can't get away, if it's cornered or something of that nature, um, it's going to pretend like, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get you. Back off. And even other species who are not venomous do the same thing. They're like, hey, I'm big and bad. Check me out. I'm going to bite you. And you're like, oh, jeez. Oh, <laughs> People are terrified. Um, and, then, and then lastly, they're heroes. And if they feel like they have no other option, they will bite you. Especially if you startle them and you step on them. That's an immediate threat, right? Oh, absolutely. That's an attack. Yeah. If someone steps on you, you'd be like, oh, God. Yeah. Uh. yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't know that you'd bite them. You might. I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, so they're, yeah, they're going to bite you if you step on them, obviously, or if you get too close. Um, but generally, snakes are not out to get you. We demonize anything that can hurt us, right? So if they can yeah. release venom, then all snakes are venomous and they're all going to bite you if you come across them. But that was super, I thought that was critical for anyone that ventures outdoors yeah. to, to understand that, okay, even if you see one, the chances that it's going to go through the expense to release its venom into yeah. you who are clearly not prey to it are very low. Yeah. And also this myth that like, oh, babies are more dangerous than adults is not true. A lot really? of people think that. Yeah, it's not true. Actually, this notion of they can't control their venom Um Adults have much bigger venom glands, and it's the amount of venom that they inject that can be very bad news. Um, so babies are as dangerous, if not less dangerous, than adults. Wow. Yeah, a lot of people think that. Yeah, well, I was one of them. I always, I've always been told they can't control, it. so they'll just, like release all their venom into no, you. No, they and... don't. They don't do that. This is great. <laughs> yeah. This is super great because yeah. um, so many people who venture outdoors to climb, yeah. to hike, to run, anything, yeah. listen to, to this podcast. Mm-hmm. I did not know any of this. Just walking outside in nature. Even people who just live in the desert, they could have a species of snake in their backyard. And so knowing these things I think is really important because we we are part of this world. We're and all part of the same system. understanding things around you, I think, is so important. So, yeah, I mean, like, if you get bit by a snake, if you don't know what the snake is, take a photo of it. Uh-huh. And uh-huh. then go to the hospital. Yeah. This is awesome. Yeah. Like, holy crap. I'm just thinking, like, this needs to be a whole thing. Like, I know. RJ talks safety <laughs> in the outdoors I and snakes. I just love and- snakes. I think they're so cool and they're so misunderstood. And, and people just, if you would understand something a little bit more, I think it makes it less scary. And now we jump back into the conversation after the mouse had been removed. Here we go. Yikes. It was It was gnarly. It's still, every now and again, I still get like, flashbacks of the smell in my car i don't know if it's still actually there if it's me just being like paranoid. oh like phantom smells mm-hmm. and wow yeah jeez <laughs> i mean this is the reality of living you know in yeah in a vehicle in a vehicle yeah 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 oh my gosh i mean it can happen to pretty much anyone but i mean you know the fact that i'm living and sleeping in this vehicle yeah is a huge difference between yeah. you know getting in your car to go to work and being like huh this is a funky smell versus like <laughs> i'm literally bring, breathing this in all night yeah and so it can definitely make you super sick absolutely yeah so oh my gosh it's quite an adventure i 
I've actually talked to quite a few people who have found like families of mice in their car and yeah it's a real thing wow (laughs) yeah (laughs) so the next time you think like oh wow you're so lucky to live in your vehicle (laughs) (laughs) there's like the really pristine glamorous instagram van life and then there's the other side behind all of that yeah there's a lot that is in it that people don't realize yeah and that's one of the things is you have issues like this and you don't have a place to go to to seek refuge from these (laughs) these issues yeah yeah that was when I was looking into moving into a van. That was kind of a, a big thing for me. It's like, I'm going to live in my means of transportation. Yeah. That, that's a that's a big deal. It is. Because like you just said, if there's an issue with either your car or your house, they're the same damn thing. Yeah. So you're kind of in a bind <laughs> if something's wrong with either of them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. You don't have like anywhere to go, which is another thing, you know, if you, if you are working while on the road, um, you know, if you work remotely or if you work at a coffee shop like I do sometimes, you know, once you're off work, if you don't have other plans, like where are you going to go? Yeah. You don't have anywhere to go. I mean, you can get creative for sure. But they're like, you know, the library is only open so late. It's true. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, you're hanging out in your car sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And what brought you to this, to this decision to move into your car? I epicked, actually. Um, So I haven't been climbing that long, but... When I first got my hands on real rock, I was like, whoa, this is incredible. Like, this is, I grew up in the outdoors and I grew up in an age where we didn't have cell phones. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yep. playing outside was like the thing. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> um, <clears throat> and so, yeah, I, I, was like in love with outdoor climbing. I was like, this is fantastic. This is like the best thing in the world. You know, I get to be active. I get to play outside. And um, so I went to the Red River Gorge, which is in Kentucky, and started sport climbing there and kind of cut my teeth there. And I was like, I want to do this more. Like, I want to be able to do Because you take a two-week trip, and that's, you know, really a long time for most people. I'm really, really fortunate and really privileged to be able to do these things and like live this life and choose this. Um, I just think that's really important to say. Like <laughs> I'm very, I'm white <laughs> <laughs> and I'm privileged, and so that's you know. And I don't say that I'm homeless either. Um, but yeah, so I was just like, wow, like I want to do this more and more. And you know, eventually I graduated college, and so I moved to the Red River Gorge in 2016 for four months, and. I was just like, I want to live like this all the time. Like, this is, this is the thing. Like, this is, and it's not for everyone. It's quite uncomfortable most of the time, especially mm-hmm. in the summer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's really bad. <clears throat> and anyway, yeah, so I actually didn't leave. I'm, I'm from Richmond, Virginia originally, and I didn't leave for a long time because I was with someone. And when that ended, the day that we had that hard conversation, I moved into my car <laughs> instantly. That same day, it was a Monday. Um, I don't know why I remember that it was a Monday, but it was a Monday. And I moved into my car that day and I haven't looked back. So <laughs> it was it was not planned. It was not this like whole elaborate plan. Like I'm gonna do this lifestyle that I've 
kind of sort of gotten a taste of. Um, I should mention that I moved into my car in 2018, so last year. So it's been a little bit over a year. It was the end of April of 2018. So yeah, I've been living in my vehicle ever since. And I still had a job in Richmond, so I kind of did the van thing in the city for a bit, and it was just miserably hot. I mean, it just Mm -hmm. got crazy. And I ended up flying into Denver and a friend picked me up and took me to 10 Sleep, Wyoming. And when I got to 10 Sleep, I grew into myself more than I think I ever could have. And I was just like, I think I'm gonna quit my job and I'm gonna start traveling. And I epicked again. (laughs) (laughs) And I literally was on the way to the airport one night and I was like, I'm going to quit my job, go get my car, and I'm going to drive back to Colorado. And I did. And I haven't looked back. That's amazing. (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, I I never had this big elaborate plan of what I was going to do. I also did not have a lot of money at that time, Um, not a lot of savings. I was just like, you know what? I'm just going to do it and see what happens. Hell yeah. (laughs) Here I am. (laughs) A year and a half later with dead mice in my car. (laughs) But you know, and that's what we talked about last night, that you can plan as much as you want. You know, you can plan out three years. Mm -hmm. And a lot of it's going to go wrong. (laughs) And you're going to feel bad about it. Yeah. So how about you just jump? Yeah. And then when things go wrong, it's not like it's that horrible because sure. well it's just something that happens a little bump in the road but you keep on going yeah definitely i like to say that. yeah yeah and i like to say kind of dive in head first you know like take a risk i think you grow so much when you take risks mm-hmm. and you get out of your comfort zone i mean i would challenge anyone right now to be more of a yes man for the next week and see what happens oh yeah totally it's crazy when you jump out of your comfort zone What happens? Like, what opportunities open up? I mean, I can't even go into detail about how much my life has changed in the past year. It's insane. Just from being like, okay, you know what? I want to get uncomfortable. I want to push myself. I want to do things that scare me to death. And it was scary. Like, I'm not completely fearless at all. I'm normal. I'm a human. Like, I was so afraid when I made that decision. And as soon as I said it out loud you know, I'm going to quit my job. And I I took a red-eye flight to Richmond, Virginia. I picked up my car in the morning and I drove to Colorado that evening. I am not kidding. Holy crap. I'm not kidding. And and it was really scary. It was super scary because I'm by myself. Yeah. I don't have a lot to fall back on, you know? And so, yeah, it's really scary. But I think when you take risks like that and you realize like the beauty of what comes out of it, it's just, it's incredible. And, you know, it doesn't even have to be climbing related. It's like, just take a risk, like see what happens. Absolutely. Yeah. And that might be such a a huge one, but it's so critical for people because, you know, that Monday when you decided to move into your car, it could have been like, well, I'll spend a few nights in here and find a room somewhere and keep it life the way it is and all these things or just jump and see what happens. And, you know, the first thing I hear a lot of people talk about specifically with van life, where, you know, where will I store all my stuff and how will I eat and where will I go to the bathroom? It's like, well, you'll figure it out. But if you want to go do this, just see what happens. Give it some time and a measurable amount of time, a year. And and like you just said, you couldn't go into detail 
about all the things that have happened by saying yes. Mm -hmm. But if you weren't so committed to saying yes, and you could think of maybe just three times, then you could talk about them. But it would be like three standout times in the course of a year when you probably have 300 or more. Yeah, it's insane, like all the crazy things that have happened to me in like such good ways too. Like even the chaos is I mean, yesterday. <laughs> right? You'll never forget. You, you'll forget things like yeah. that. Max will never forget yesterday. I mean, he was terrified, it seemed, and I'll remember it always. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And it's, you know, keeping your head held high in those times, for sure. Um, so, yeah, I mean, like, just jumping out of your comfort zone on, on a weekly basis, I think, is, like, really vital to growth. And I think a lot of people are just kind of afraid of, like, the repercussions. But I don't think there's too much to be afraid of no we are all faced with so many twists and turns in our lives on a daily basis change is constant and growth is something we must always strive for when i was a young up-and-comer in a fairly corporate company i was handed a book titled who moved my cheese by spencer johnson i thought what is this. I distinctly remember stuffing it away on a shelf, thinking it's some silly corporate propaganda text. It wasn't until months later that I grew tired of repeating, no, I haven't read it yet, but I will, that I finally just read the thing. That was over a decade ago, and that same copy still sits upon every bookshelf of every office I find myself occupying. It begins with a quote of A.J. Cronin that I think pairs quite well with this conversation. Life is no straight and easy corridor along which we travel free and unhampered, but a maze of passages through which we must seek our way, lost and confused, now and again checked in a blind alley. But always, if we have faith, a door will open for us, not perhaps one that we ourselves would ever have thought of, but one that will ultimately prove good for us. 344 days ago from the release of this episode, which is Friday, August 9th, was my 34th birthday. I remember standing in my kitchen and had this overwhelming feeling that life on the day that would begin my 35th year as part of this world would be different in ways I had never imagined. Quite fittingly, the doors I have recently opened are not the ones I would have ever thought of, and the changes and challenges ahead are unlike any I have ever faced. But the good they bring into my life is something I'm not about to let slip away. Let's jump back in. I think if we build this up in our head that we have to be this certain person or this certain uh, life status or something, and when it goes wrong, we get disappointed. Mm -hmm. um, but I think if you just take things as they come, it's like, okay, like I can handle this, you know? Yeah. yeah. And then that's like exactly what we talked about last night, that life will happen. Mm -hmm. And you can sit around and wait for those things to happen. Or you can just jump and do yeah. something. And instead of reacting, just put yourself into a scenario where you're chasing some higher level of happiness and satisfaction. Yeah. But when those let down moments occur, you know, you're already on this path that's a lot yeah. better, right? Yeah. And I mean, like honoring your feelings and, and being realistic is important. You know, it's not realistic for everyone to be happy all the time. Like, Absolutely. You're going to have down moments no matter what or no matter who you are. And 
so I think like allowing yourself to feel that way is important and just being like okay you know what I feel sad today that's okay I'm gonna move forward um for whatever reason or you know so I I actually wrote an article on fear which is um I don't have you read it yeah I did (laughs) okay yeah and it's really it's not like a I didn't want it to be like this is like step one, how to handle your fear. Like I wanted it to kind of challenge you to think of fear in a different way and think of it as like a companion to like help you. Um, And understanding it really is like, why am I afraid? And like, it's okay to be afraid. It's okay to feel what you feel. It's totally fine, but hold hands with it and get to know it. Feel out why you're afraid and what you're so afraid of and like are these realistic feelings like is this is this something i can handle probably absolutely (laughs) you can handle more than i think you realize and i think like you just said you hold hands with it you embrace it then you'll figure out how to deal with it because you're you're looking at it in this like this full view right Mm -hmm. but if you try to deny it or avoid it it's it's never going to resolve itself. You can't run away from these things and it's going to yeah. repeatedly show up in your life in other ways yeah. unless you just tackle it. Yeah. And that's exactly how you lived your life. <laughs> you know, starting from a very young age, it would seem that you just said here is something that needs to be resolved and I'm just going to figure out how to resolve it. Mm-hmm. Um, and the story you shared with me about the lady who reached out to you because she was going to go on a trip. Yeah. But was scared to go on the trip and wanted and thirty years older than you. Yeah, quite was a bit looking older to than you me. for yeah for reassurance and comfort. Yeah, exactly. You know, I I'm trying to live my life now um, the best that I can because I don't want to look back and have these thoughts of like I wish. Like the amount of times I hear I wish from people much older than me or even people my age. Honestly, I wish I could do what you're doing and I wish that I had done this and. And, and I don't want to be like that, you know? And I understand that, like, not everyone can do what I'm doing, and I'm really fortunate. Um, and it's definitely not for everyone. It's quite uncomfortable. I mean, half the time, I don't know where I'm staying. And if I'm in a city, like, I don't know where the safe areas are to mm-hmm. park. You know, being a female on the road, especially, I'm very petite. Um, a lot of people don't realize that I'm so small until they meet me. You're very small. <laughs> They're like, oh, wow, I thought you were taller. No, I'm about like a little bit over five feet tall. Um, yeah, I'm not a big guy and you make me feel giant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and so, you know, I, <laughs> I I always think of myself as like an easy snack for prey. <laughs> <laughs> but honestly, we, we talked extensively about that yeah the differences of again not that i live in my van but if i spend three or four days i never worry about shacking up in a parking lot or anywhere yeah i shared like one story where i thought well these people might be looking to break in i'm just gonna smack this person out with a a bottle like a big glass bottle but it's a huge difference between a guy being alone in a van and a female being alone in her van or a car like (laughs) It can be quite scary. You have to calculate a lot. And sometimes I've had to drive all the more further 
to be in a place where I was like, I can sleep here. And, um, you know, being like sleep deprived or lost or something and not having service and not having GPS and, you know, all these things. And you're like, oh, I hope I don't die tonight because I don't know where I am. And so it's definitely, it's definitely not for everyone. I know quite a few people who have lived like this for close to a year and they were just done. They were like, I cannot do this anymore. It's not for me. Like, a lot of people are homebodies, and there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. There's no right or wrong way to live your life. Um, but I think it's important to note that, you know, living, I, I guess, like in your vehicle is, is quite crazy. And if you can't handle being uncomfortable for periods of time, then it's not for you because you're not going to be comfortable a lot of the time. I mean, there are nights where it's really hot and it's raining. Oh, that sounds awful. And that's I, like used a humidity uh-huh. trap. Yeah, oh. <laughs> and it should be noted, you know, I'm, I don't. Ha- I like to say I'm like the the middle ground of of a nomadic person, where you know I don't live in like a sedan or my tent, but I also don't have a really nice van that's built out. Yeah, there's, you're not standing up no, in your SUV. Not at all. Ever. <laughs> I can't do yoga in my car. Which yeah. Is, <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, there are nights like that where I'm just like, I can't even sleep because it's so hot and I can't open my windows because it's pouring rain. And I'm in the city, so I can't open my hatch. Oh, good Lord. Yeah. So <laughs> there are definitely times where it's like, this is uncomfortable. I'm not going to get any sleep tonight. Um, oh, man. Yeah. Things like that. You know, where am I parking? Where am I? Everyone wants to know where you go to the bathroom, which I, I find really fascinating. You're like, a bathroom? Where do you go to the <laughs> yeah, bathroom? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well. <laughs> How bad are you at lifing? <laughs> <laughs> I have a bucket in my SUV. <laughs> no, I mean, yeah, I usually find an actual toilet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and like, I mean, it should be noted that I don't bounce around every week. Um, everyone's different. Everyone can live like this in a different way, but for me, I'll stay in a in an area for a couple months at a time, um, and usually I work when I'm in those areas. Like I was in Bishop from February to June, and I had a job that I loved. It was awesome. Um, I was a barista, and super fun, really good skill to have, actually. Um, but yeah, so I mean, you know, just usually when you're in one area for a while, you have time to kind of figure it out. Yeah. 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 I mean, generally it's pretty easy to find a restroom. You know, I'm not just like, I'm not even sure what people imagine. I know. (laughs) They're questioning my toilet habits. I don't get that. (laughs) I I, I guess, I don't know. It's, it's a whole different existence to people who've never maybe even camped or something. For sure. Yeah. Been on a long road trip. Yeah. Like, you don't, carry Ziploc bags and poop in them. I mean, you know, there's... You don't? There, <laughs> well, I mean, I'm not going to tell people I do. But <laughs> sometimes it gets desperate and there's long lines to the one bathroom. So you got to do things. I mean, you've got two hands, like... <laughs> exactly right. But I remember being shocked when we met at OR that you said you live in an SUV because the lack... For me, it was... A lot of it was also the lack of privacy. Yeah. even in my van, you know, A, I can stand up, which is very nice. And then B, I can... You know, put the curtains down and reflectics up, and because yeah. I um, would spend a lot of weekends in my Forerunner when I had one, and you're in a you're in a fishbowl, yeah, and it becomes a pain in the ass to every single night put all the reflectics up. At some point, you're like, I don't care anymore. You it just is. go to bed <laughs> and you wake up exposed to the world. Definitely, that's I mean, or like literally a pop tart 
Because you feel like you're in a toaster. Yeah. Oh, good Lord. I'm totally. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and you know, at the same time, the privacy, I think, affords you a certain bit. I don't want to call it safety because it really isn't. But, you know, people aren't sure who's in there yeah. or, or anything like that. But when you, again, come back to the, the topic of when you're a lone female yeah. and you are surrounded by windows, and I really need people to understand this, especially men, you are alone, and the fact that you are alone in your SUV does not mean it's an invitation for somebody to come <laughs> and like insert themselves into your existence for any amount of time, like some creepo. Yeah. Which the amount of stories that oh, you no. and other females have on the road are terrible about that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, I will say that like living in an SUV is a lot of shuffling, and it's kind of, you know, realizing that like these are the things I have to do to live the life that I want <laughs> moving my stuff around I mean I don't know if you saw out there but my bike is in the back of my car <laughs> I didn't see that <laughs> I don't oh, even no. have a bike rack um yeah so oh, I just wow. put my bike and my crash pad in the back of my car and I fold my bed over and so when I'm going from place to place it's like it's a lot of shuffling you know it's a lot of moving things around but anytime I get frustrated I'm like it's fine like this is what you do to live like the way that you want to live and that's really important but yeah I mean coming back to that privacy thing I definitely I mean I guess for you it's easy to be like I don't even care I'm going to sleep but for me it's like I have to put up my reflexic like I have to cover where I am because sometimes I am in a city you know I was at OR for a few days I was in Denver and I was in my car and so it was just yeah it's definitely you've got to be pretty secretive because also I personally don't have a home base. Um, I don't have family in Virginia. Um, My parents live in North Carolina and, you know, I don't ever go there. So, you know, it's it's a lot different for me. I have everything I own in my car. I don't have a storage unit. (laughs) <laughs> yeah everything that i exist with is in my vehicle so for me it's also that kind of nerve-wracking experience living in if you're in a city of like oh god like if someone breaks into my car that's all my it's stuff. everything but it also like kind of prompts you to detach yourself from items which i think is important oh, oh it's, it's very very important yeah. because we get obsessed with those yeah and you become so fixated on accumulating more yep. and the better version of what you have that you're not doing what you're doing and mm-hmm. having just a really full purposeful life with mm-hmm. a lot of meaning and I don't want to bring them up because, you know, they're still in process. But a lot of the projects that we, we talked about yesterday that you're working on, mm-hmm. you, you couldn't be doing those and you couldn't have the connections if you weren't out here bravely forging ahead in the life you want mm-hmm. and inspiring other people to do that, right? Yeah. I mean, you're out climbing all the time yeah. and you're working really hard for that. Yeah. You're not like going out for a fun date. Not that it wasn't fun, but it's a lot of work to like go up and grade. It's terrifying. It takes a lot of physical and mental exertion. Yeah. And that's why people believe in you and want to support you when you go to these projects. That's why we're here talking. Yeah. And I mean, I can't imagine. I'll just say it. I cannot imagine living in a Toyota Highlander. Yeah. (laughs) I I just can't. Yeah. A lot of people can't. But look what it's done for you. Like you're willing to go through all of that for something that means so much. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, I I have a bachelor's in biology, and it took me quite a long time to get through college just 
from taking semesters off and working and you know science is I mean it gets pretty tough when you get up into the 300 400 500 level classes I can only imagine it's a Never lot made it that far it's a, it's, a, <laughs> it's a lot of work and you know it's it's really hard to support yourself and go to school at the same time mm-hmm. so it took me you know a long time to get through that um and yeah I mean so now I'm just kind of like I've been working for so long, I'm like ready to play. (laughs) (laughs) And that's kind of how I look at it. Um, I mean, I still work and I still love working. Absolutely. Like I said, I was a barista. I loved that job. It was so fun because when you're a barista, you don't necessarily have to talk to people. But if you're feeling like it, you can. (laughs) Oh, totally. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Which is cool because it's like, you know. Never thought of it that way. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. Because I mean, well, the place that I worked, if you're on barista, you're kind of just behind the espresso machine just making drinks over and over and generally you don't have a lot of contact with people who come in so you can either engage them heavily or just be like have a great day thank you yeah <laughs> that's awesome uh, yeah huh so yeah i mean that's off topic but i i do love working you know but it's kind of on topic and it's on brand a little bit because um you know human interaction that's been a big topic of conversation for us over the course of you know getting to know each other yeah and that I think this is a tough one to put out there because it's it's been such a broad conversation for us. Mm-hmm. But one of the questions that you received through Instagram was um, about, I guess I could just read the question. Sure, yeah. Yeah, let me just like read it directly. Um, okay, from Rob True, T-R-U. Is that someone you actually know? No. I always wonder, through, you, know, you never know. <laughs> um, <laughs> does being nomadic result in shallower connections or can you maintain deeper relationships? Yeah. So at first I didn't like that question. Same but, here. <laughs> yeah. But the more that I thought about it, the more I realized that I would actually say that my connections with people are much deeper living this life than staying in the city um, because I find that the quality of time is much better, even though in the city you get to have quantity and you see people a lot, especially people you work with. Um, but people's eyes are glued to their phone mm-hmm. all the time. Um, and there's not a whole lot of connection there. And I'm 31. And so I didn't grow up staring at my phone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's so meaningful to me to have those weird interactions when you're in the middle of the woods and you don't have service and people don't pull their phones out and you may only meet this person and see them once in your life but the three days of climbing you had with them is so memorable and beautiful and fun and silly and weird because they're not on their phone they don't have service so the quality of the time that you have with that person really sticks and I think that the people that I've met through just living on the road I mean I won't forget these people I mean it's incredible the things that people want to do for you when you live in your SUV (laughs) 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 hence we're in this beautiful cabin from someone I met last year in 10 sleep and only spent a couple of days climbing with um but those interactions are so important to me. Like, I'm not really that close with my family. And so when I get to know people um, as friends, it really sticks for me. 
And so, yeah, I think the quality of time that you get with these people is just amazing. You know, I don't absolutely I don't see them all the time, but when I did live in a city, I didn't have close friends. Um, I didn't actually feel part of the community at all, interestingly enough. Um, so now that I live like this, I actually feel more connected, even though I'm not always present, which is interesting, I guess. Yeah, you know, maybe physically present, right? But right. like emotionally and mentally, the presence is so different because, you know, when you're in a city, right, it's all kind of fractured. Mm -hmm. You have your work, your coworkers, that you talk about work with and you have your friends that you meet after and talk about your various jobs with. And for a little bit, you're kind of like getting the day out. So you're, you know, commiserating, right? And then you might go do things for the weekend. Some friends go see movies. Some people go outside, all these different things. But it's all like these kind of fragmented um, collections of people, right? Mm -hmm. Or this fragmented collection of people. But when you're living on the road, when you're climbing, it you're so present in that community that yeah. the connections become so deep around mm -hmm. these central themes of of happiness and satisfaction and seeking something that's not the status quo yeah and the conversations that we've had over the course of yesterday and last night <laughs> so weird that's like <laughs> holy crap that's some some stuff that you've i've never talked to a lot of friends that i see pretty you know Absolutely. regularly about because yeah. you don't get that deep when the phone's always there or yeah. like something's always going on right yeah yeah and, and I don't think that a lot of the time people are present, even if you're hanging out. Mm -hmm. They're always thinking about, oh, what they're, they've got on their plate for Absolutely. the day or the week or whatever. Yes. And I think that with climbing specifically, and I'm sure this is true for other um, disciplines, um, but, you know, when you're out and you're on a boulder problem, you've got spotters on you and mm -hmm. they're watching you. I mean, yes. like I said, I'm tiny and usually my spotters like, if I fall, they catch me. <laughs> they just place me on the ground delicately. They're like, here you go, child. <laughs> but, you know, and it's the same thing with um, with sport climbing for me as well. Like, they have to be on me because I'm small, so they better give me a soft catch. Oh, yeah. Because I've been spiked into the wall more times than I care to ever experience. And so usually with, I'm, when I'm climbing with someone, they're very much present because they know they need to jump. You know, and usually if you're a good belayer, you are present in those mm -hmm. moments. Absolutely. So you're very much with that person. And it's it's such a partnership, right? Like it's it's like, oh, you're on your project and you're trying to red point. I really want you to do this. Like, yes. I'm with you. Like I'm stoked for you. Like Absolutely. I don't care what the grade is, higher or lower, the same as my grades. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Your yeah. belay partner and your spotters are like stoked for you and oh, it's yeah. so genuine too and it's just like the best feeling when you've got someone like on your side oh yeah it's incredible well i think tyler made the comment yesterday um when itai wanted to go see his project and it was you know a bit of a hike through the talus field and everyone's like no we're going itai we're yeah. even if you only put a few moves we're gonna go check it out we're happy to hike pads yeah up for you. and like we had mostly all just met like that three, four hours prior to that, right? But <laughs> yeah. everyone's stoked to go out there and support yeah, someone support on this. Them. Yeah, absolutely. It's like, of course, like I'm here for you, yeah. not just myself. It's exactly. not this like super selfish endeavor. Like you want to support people in what they love and and because you love it, you know, or yeah. you like understand that passion. And so, yeah, it's just like such a cool connection that you get with people. Again, like going back to the question in general, like, 
we don't even know each other and yeah. we are already just like i love you dude yeah exactly <laughs> like i love you dude like You're it's the best yeah it's so fluid and easy to say because yeah. you mean it but like how many people have that sort of connection in their daily life yeah. when you're not out doing these, living a life that you really are happy yeah. and satisfied with. Yeah. So I guess like too long didn't read. I think that yes, <laughs> <laughs> the connections are deeper. <laughs> oh my God. Seven years later. Okay. Millennials speak funny enough. <laughs> a lot of the messages that you and I sent prior to, you know, this trip were very, very long, right? Oh. I have friends that are, I would maybe call this like, I don't know, city friends, life friends, whatever. I would see that like TLDR. And I'm like, screw too, you. Too like, long, <laughs> like, what's wrong with you? But you never say that somebody you meet out doing this stuff because they're like these deep, yeah. meaningful connections. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. I think so. I'm glad that Rob asked that question because, yeah. like, Thanks, like you at first, I was like, no, oh, it's stupid. <laughs> But then we talked last time. Like, yeah, it's actually a really good question. Yeah, it's actually a really good question. Yeah. Very thoughtful. Very thoughtful. Maybe I'm not a thoughtful. Oh, jeez. That's some self-reflection I don't want to do next. right now. <laughs> we'll go to the next question. <laughs> These questions oh. are really great. I'm really glad that people engaged. People them. really, really showed up Lots for these. Lots of random questions. Okay, actually, I have to go to my favorite one. And I could, oh, no. I could just ask it, but I, I mean, I need to know who it be. was. Yeah. Oh, you definitely know what it's going to be. I don't know the answer. Oh, you've had time to think about it. I've had time to think about a lot of things. <laughs> That's a great point. Um, I liked it because there were actually multiple questions surrounding this I, object. I know. But. What is it? Earth Untold asks. Oh, Ricardo. Ricardo asks, <laughs> if you were a sandwich, what kind of sandwich would you be? Oh. I love that question. Why? <laughs> I'd. Who wants to be a sandwich? Sandwiches are amazing. Yeah, but they also get eaten. <laughs> Do you remember the old uh, Will Ferrell doing Harry Carey? No. And Saturday Night Live was like, if... <laughs> I can't do it. He was like, if... <laughs> I'm terrible at impersonations and I don't yeah. even... I'm just going to delete this. But like, if the moon were made care. of cheese, would you eat yourself? <laughs> so I know I would. <laughs> What? Do you not remember I've never that? heard of this, but that was the best thing I've ever heard. Oh, that's so good. What the heck? Oh. oh no, I've never heard that. So we can, yeah, we can, re, we can add the uh, Ricardo's question. So if you were a sandwich, what kind would you be? Based on the fact that you would have to eat the sandwich that you are. Can I say ice cream sandwich? But, oh, but well played. Yeah, thinking outside the box. Then. Yeah, I never would have gone outside there. the bun. Outside. Oh, <laughs> wait, that's taken. Sorry, that's... Taco Bell. <laughs> <laughs> you have to like TM or Circle R thing <laughs> that. that. I don't advocate for fast food. <laughs> Ice cream sandwich. Dang. Yeah. There was a question through social media asking RJ how she deals with mental health issues while living on the road. This is a topic that her and I discussed at great length the night before. And while we did talk about it on the mics, we elected to remove some of it, as RJ felt some discomfort with those portions of the conversation playing through on the pod. I love this podcast, these conversations, and sharing them with all of you. But I'm also very glad that it provides a chance 
to verbalize some deeply rooted thoughts and feelings, and then have the flexibility to edit, maybe delete a few of those things and let the folks on the pod keep them close, even if just a bit longer, to steepen them and fully understand them before sending them out into the world, if they ever choose to. So remember, friends, once our words and actions are done, they can't be undone. Be mindful of the impact of the things you choose to share with the world have. Our voices have power, especially with the multitude of ways we can distribute them. Just food for thought. As we jump back in, RJ talks about some of her struggles with anxiety and how, with the support of her friends, she gets through. And I do have anxiety attacks sometimes. Um, So usually with anxiety attacks, I will try to call someone that's close to me Mm. and have them talk me through it Mm -hmm. and just talk to me and just be there. Just be there, absolutely. be present because it feels like you're having a heart attack. I mean, it's it's scary. Yeah. And and you feel lightheaded. I mean, I've passed out before from anxiety attacks. Um, But I mean, I'm really fortunate. I don't have like too many like issues with that. But... I think it would be really hard to answer coming from a place where someone did suffer from a lot of mental health issues. Um, So I don't even know how I would answer that for other people. Mental health, it's such... really hard. Yeah, it's such a relatable topic topic for everyone because, you know, in our own ways, we all struggle with our own mental health, right? And well-being. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, we talked about our common ground of divorce and what that's meant for our own journeys in, in battling, I don't want to call them demons, but uh, self-reflection and things like that. Um, I mean, living on the road, you get a lot of time to yourself um, if you choose to have that, obviously. And uh, yeah, I, I reflect on that stuff a lot and I try to navigate it in a way that's like a little bit objective. I try to have a wise mind is what we call it. What I learned in therapy is a wise mind is taking your emotional from your rational and having a good balance of the two. Um, And that's something that it's like completely invaluable. Like I'm so thankful that I got to experience that and learn so much from from therapy but yeah I mean having that time to yourself and really just reflecting on it I think is really important to figure out why you're having the feelings that you're having or the thoughts that you're having um you know the way that I take care of myself is I try to treat my body right I try to eat well I try to sleep well (laughs) 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 which is hard sometimes (laughs) um you know, and like being really active, you know, that's also really good for you as well. So, you know, that's kind of how I take care of myself. And luckily, I don't need medication or choose to go on medication. And so that's really hard for other people who, you know, struggle with those kind of things who need those things. Um, So that would be a whole other discussion that I don't even know how to address because, you know, there was something you mentioned when we were chatting prior that goes along with that that really sat with me and I'm still thinking about quite a bit was that you know we we do need those ways to release all of those um those energies right mm-hmm. but physical activity well-being taking care of yourself eating well sleeping well but oftentimes it feels like people want to get over things 
right? Mm-hmm. And we tell each other to get over something in, in a very nice way, not like in those exact words. Um, but you would learn through your experiences that, and we talked about this, yeah. do we get over them? And yeah. should we? And maybe it's fine not to. Yeah, like kind of how we talked about last night where I had all this time to think about this notion of like get over it and how we must get over things and how I mentioned, you know, you would never tell um, someone who served in a war to just get over their trauma, Mm -hmm. you know? And so you mentioned something about them breaking their arms and having, you know, soreness or issues with that and just being like, well, get over it. (laughs) But we do this with emotions. We just tell each other to get over it. And it's, it's traumatic. I mean, when you go through the love of your life telling you that they don't love you anymore, that's trauma. Yes, it is. It's awful. It is not anything I would wish upon anyone ever. And for someone or just a collective someone to tell you to get over it, I don't know that you ever will. And I think it's so important to just be okay with that. And as long as you don't hold back from moving forward, and doing what you love and doing what's important to you, I think it's okay to kind of sit and swim in it for a short while and be okay with that and just realize, you know, I'm actually feeling really sad about this right now. And honoring those feelings, sit in them for a while and then move forward. And I think that's really important. And I think it's okay if you get over it, but it's okay if you don't. And I think that's like really, really important for people to realize. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, had never really thought about it in that depth until we talked about it last night. And this will be something that I am thinking about for a long time. (laughs) Yeah. Because that's not how our society works with emotions. No. No. It's not okay to sit with them. It's not okay to have thin skin. But shit, I think that's what we should do. And are you going to be better by trying to brush it under the rug and forget about right? it no heck no no like heck and no heck and no heck exactly no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's i think it's important for everyone to just kind of honor their feelings you know as long as you don't it, it, it just don't let it get to the point of where you're in a pit right yeah and you can't yeah dig out completely yeah but i mean it's okay to be sad it's okay to feel whatever it is you're feeling it's it's important to honor those feelings. Oh, absolutely. So it you is. can move forward. Yeah. Yeah. And you can allow yourself then the space mentally and physically to be doing this. Yeah. To be around people that encourage you mm-hmm. and elevate you and that you want to do the same for. Yeah. So it's about your story. It's about your message, everything you want. So how do you want to end? What would be your last message or story or anything That's a hard question. <laughs> mm-hmm. That open-ended is the hardest. Yeah. Yeah. I would say, yeah, again, just take risks. And, don't, like, not that you won't be afraid, like, realize you will. And that's, that's a good thing, you know? Because when you're afraid is when you're challenged and when you grow. When you're challenged, you grow. And I think like reflecting in those moments will help you be a better, happier person. And so I think challenging yourself and being okay with fear and holding your hand 
holding hands with fear, I think. Yeah, I think that's like a good thing. Just dive in, you know, dive in headfirst and see what happens. (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) RJ, thank you so much. Thank you. This has been great. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much. RJ, thank you so much for introducing me to your awesome crew. For the adventurous day in Rocky Mountain National, the warm cabin to catch some rest in, and for Green to sit for the podcast. And to everyone listening, it is impossible to express the depth of my gratitude for allowing me to be here, to share these stories, and wander about in this incredible journey. I can't thank you enough for reaching out and striking up conversations. Please continue to do so. It's honestly so cool to get to know so many of you all over the world who I am proud to call part of this Wilder Mind community. Keep doing the hell out of life. You all inspire me to extend further into these new ventures. The Wilder Mind podcast is hosted and produced by yours truly. The theme music by the ever-talented Alexis Tia. Branding by the incredible Finletter Creative. And as always, wherever you are and whatever you're doing, tell everyone about the podcast and then to your wildest self, be true.